Ramos. Oh my goodness. He and Monica, their family. I mean, this is truly family. Love you, brother. Love that heart. And we don't want to put the brakes on. Let's keep on going, man. Um, well, hey, uh, for those who didn't know, last week was Valentine's Day. Uh, for some of us, that's a beautiful day. For others, that may be a struggling day. Grace, grace to wherever you landed on that continuum. Uh, but for us, as we get a little older, for Laura and I, of course, it's a meaningful day. We've been married 37 years and always want to celebrate the opportunity to celebrate our love and God's love for us. Uh, but it shifted a little bit. We have uh, some of our kids live here in town, and so we gave them a date night, and the grandkids, or two of the three, uh, because they have a newborn, uh, spent the night with us. And uh, we had a great time together, as we always do, with uh, little Jesse and Hazel. And uh, as a part of that, we get the nighttime routine down, and uh, Jesse let us know, hey, you need to sing the song, you need to come in here, Pops and Lolly, and you guys need to sing the song, and we need to pray, and this is what we need to do. Three years old, he already has it down. So uh, we sang the song, the same one that we, would, that we sang to his mother, and now he wants to sing that same song. And the same bedtime routine really was how we raised our kids. So it was such a beautiful moment, and then uh, the next morning, uh, we had breakfast, and we had a little family devotional, and just like we had started off with our kids, they're used to uh, starting off. What are you thankful for? And of course, they always say the same thing for a while at that age, you know, a car or another sibling or something. And so we went through the gratitude piece, and then we prayed for mommy and daddy, and then we uh, shared a little bit of the word of God. We just had a beautiful time. And for us as a family, those are anchor points. Those are anchor points. And the beauty, though, you could say, well, golly, I wish I had anchor points in my home or I'd grown up like that. Just by the way, Laura and I had not. And so this was a new thing that we had started. So you can start that anew individually or as a family. But those, were anchor, those are anchor points for us as a family. So there are family songs. There's family declarations that we do. There's family scriptures. Well, the good news for everybody listening today is that the body of Christ, the people of God worldwide, have a family song. We have a family declaration. We have family prayers that we all do. And you may not know that yet, but I need you to stand up together, and we're going to have a little family devo with the worldwide church. You guys good with that? So the family song is called the doxology. And if you don't know it, you can get it up pretty quick. It's pretty easy. Let's sing it together. Praise God from whom all. Woo, I love this. Praise him, all creatures here below. Praise him above ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy. Let's do the harmonized amen. Amen. You ready? Amen. I almost got it. There we go. Amen. All right. Hey, oh, stay standing. Whoa, we just got that. That's the family song. Now it's time for the family declaration called the Apostles' Creed. And this will, this will jack you up. If anything doesn't, this will get you going. Here's our family declaration. Let's go. Put it up there. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. 
I believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. For there he will come to judge the living in the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of the saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting, amen. All right, hey, stay standing because we got a family prayer to pray. And, I, and by the way, that word Holy Catholic Church, we believe in the uh, a Catholic Church, the Protestant Church, anybody who names the name of Jesus, born again by the grace of God. But that word Catholic in the little c means the universal church. So we believe in the universal body of Christ under the blood of Jesus in that declaration. All right, the family prayer, the Lord's Prayer. You ready? Let's go for it. Our Father who is in heaven, Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. And everybody said, amen. Woo! You can grab a seat. Now you're anchored in, family. You got a family song. We have a family declaration. We have a family prayer by the grace of God. We're a part of his body and his people. Well, again, just a as we're on this theme of who we are as a people, just a few little reminders. The church is, and I'm gonna let you say this one sitting down. All right, say it with me. The church is the family of God, the body of Christ, the bride of Christ, a house of prayer for all the nations, a building not made with hands, the administration of Christ, the pillar and support of truth, the army of God, the fullness of Christ, and the eternal purpose of God in Christ Jesus. Woo, that is powerful, and that's just getting started. That's who we are as the people of God. The church is a people. It's not a, just a building. It's not just an expression. We are the church. If you are born again, if you know Jesus is Lord, if you've been forgiven of your sins, you're a part of the body of Christ, the people of God. So then let's go to the next slide because this is the real declaration. It's not just a uh, theological construct. It's an ownership of our heart. So here we go. Let's do it again. We are the family of God. We are the body of Christ. We are the bride of Christ. We are a house of prayer for all nations. We are a building not made with hands. We are the administration of Christ. We are the pillar and support of truth. We are the army of God. We are the fullness of Christ. We are the eternal purpose of God in Christ Jesus. And everybody said, amen. 
Hey, let's give it up again for Jesus, his word. The Bible says that Jesus, Jesus said it this in Matthew, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. It is the one entity that will never fail. God will find somebody to cooperate with his plan so that his witness through his people can be made known to all, every tribe, tongue, people in the nations until we see him face to face. You're a part of an eternal community that can never be stopped. Woo, that is really good. Going through 2020, I was um, in a prayer time with a group of our young people who had spent hours and hours in the prayer room. Actually, we were talking about, okay, what's God doing and all of that. We were going through the book of Ephesians in this little Bible study we were doing. And immediately, I had this picture come to my mind of like a Doppler radar, you know, a weather radar screen. And in this particular picture, it was like during a, a hurricane that had come through. And if you've seen those pictures, you have kind of this really red and orange and uh, dark red stuff. Then you have this eye, the eye of the storm, the eye of the hurricane. And then you have this backside, which is usually what they call the dirty part of the storm. Again, for you meteorologists out there, let me uh, just apologize ahead of time. Layman's terms is the first part of the hurricane is uh, wind and waves. It's serious, people do uh, lose their lives, but if you hunker down right, you usually can endure the first part, the wind and the waves. Then you hit the eye of the storm. Before people understood storms, the eye of the storm was everything's totally still, eerily still. I grew up 30 minutes from the coast. I experienced this many times in one of these big storms. And you kind of walk outside and say, oh, I guess it's over. And then you kind of hear almost like the freight train in the background. And here comes the rain and here comes the wind shears. Most people and most of the devastation is on the back side of the storm, not on the front side of the storm. And in, in this illustration, as I was sharing this with this group of young people, they were like, no way, whoa, whoa. And I said, what, no way? They said, a couple months ago, we had this exact same picture. And we felt like God was saying to everybody, uh, to, uh, we were praying into the church, endure the storm, stay with the boat. It's just wind and waves. We're gonna make it through if you stay in the boat because the boat won't fail. It's called the church. And so for those who made it through 20 and 21, you, you kind of then get to the eye of the storm and that's where you kind of reassess how's the boat doing, what was damaged, what needs to be fixed, what do, we need to, what do we need to adjust here and who's still on the boat and hey, what do we do guys and what does everybody need because what's looming in the background is the dirty part of the storm, which is even more challenging. Now let me pause and say this, I am a hope-filled believer. I believe God has a way forward for the body of Christ. If we repent and return to him, there is always a way forward. And I believe that grace is greater than judgment. And at the same time, I believe that circumstantially, things may become more difficult again than we maybe have experienced in our lifetime. But here's the deal for the believer. If you not only stay with the boat, but if you get healthy and you, you, you uh, uh, cooperate, if you will, with God's process that he's doing right now, then whatever comes our way, not only will we thrive through the backside of the storm, we'll be able to be a rescue boat for those who are desperately going to need a lifeline. And I just want to say to Antioch Waco, to Antioch Movement, and even to the body of Christ, 
This is a picture of what's going on right now. God is pulling his people together. There, there's a, the, 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 the earth is pregnant with the move of God. There's such beauty out there. God is wooing, inviting us in. And I say, get in the boat, man. Get in the boat with Jesus. Get your heart right. Get on the team, whatever it takes, whether it's this local church or another local church, wherever God would lead you. But get in the boat on the team because we're gonna be needed in these coming days. And it's not just to survive. What? That's, that's kind of the base, baseline. Yes, I want to survive, but I want to thrive and I want to be a rescuer, not just a rescued person. So in light of that, we're in this, this uh, journey together to be a spiritual family on mission. We are the church, the people of God. We are his body and he is the head. I want to unpack that part of it a little bit today. Colossians 1.18, speaking of Jesus, he is the head of the body, the church. That's us, the people of God. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself will come to have first place in everything. Everybody say everything. Whatever he does not have first place in is the place of chaos in your life. This is how it works. It says Jesus is the head of the body. That word head is a Greek word called kephale. And it, it, it means literally uh, the head of a body. And Jesus uses this illustration very specifically to let us know that that's a word picture, like the head on the body that dictates kind of the flow of the body. So that word truly means head, but it also means the origin of things. It's the beginning of things. It can be like the headwaters of a river, the headwaters coming that, that produce the, the downstream flow. And the picture is this, is that when we have the head rightly fitted on the body, then everything works. But when the head is not in the right position, the body can't not only not work, it dies. And so for our own personal spiritual lives, when it says Jesus is the head of the body, the church, we must reestablish his supremacy in our hearts and in this house and in our own homes and businesses and lives because where he is evident, there is life, health, and hope. Here's a... um, It's a little science illustration. I I had him write it up here. In short, the brain regulates so many vital bodily functions that no other part of the body can survive without input from the brain or from the head. Some of these functions include some big deals like breathing, (laughs) heart rate, blood pressure, temperature regulation, coordination of movement, sensory processing, cognition, in decision-making, emotional regulation. Wow, all come from the head, from the brain. Although some bodily functions can partially occur independently of the brain, reflex actions, heartbeat, breathing, and digestion, because of the automatic nervous system, the brain is still necessary to regulate them and coordinate these functions for life to occur. That is, get them to work together so that the organism can live. When a body part is cut off, it cannot survive on its own. Okay? We're going to get to the application, but just take that in. When a body part is cut off, it cannot survive on its own because it does not possess the systems needed to sustain life. God has given us his word, 
His leadership in our lives, the church, the people of God, a mission of God. These are the systems that support life and support our lives, like the circulatory system working with the respiratory system. And even more so because it lacks the central nervous system, the brain, the head, coordinating all the systems needed for life. The scripture says that uh, Christ is the Lord and we were members of his body. And it goes on to talk in 1 Corinthians 12 about all can't say I'm an eye or an ear or a foot. I don't, if you say that and you say I don't need you, you are sadly mistaken because the whole body is needed, every part a member of it, so that the beauty of Jesus can be a witness, can be made manifest not only for our hearts, but in and through our lives. He is the head and we are the body. A couple other unique things about the body is this. The body heals itself. Amazing. If I were to cut my hand, all these cells would run down there and say, we got to create some new skin. we got to protect from infection. All the, I'm simplifying for all you doctors out there. Uh, and the body amazingly can stop the bleeding, heal the cut, and restore it almost like new, depending on the problem. But the body is built to heal itself. It's amazing. It is stunning. And so it is with the body of Christ. When you start pulling away from the body, you pull yourself out of the healing process. So many times, the reality of it is this. The very thing that hurt us, a person, a betrayal, a rejection, an abandonment, maybe from a brother or sister in the body, is the very thing that will heal us and restore us back to God's intended purpose for our life. The people, people hurt us, but if you live in that people hurt me, I won't ever lean back in to people or to the body, then you'll never be healed. So you have to re-trust continually, of course, trust trustworthy people, trust faithful people, trust people that honor Jesus, but it is people in God that heal you and restore you, and sometimes in your mind, it was God and people that you perceive forsook you. So without forgiveness, without a cross in the middle, you can't cross over from your disappointment and your brokenness into the abundant resurrection life of Jesus unless you choose to trust Jesus as the head and his body as the healers. There's a lot there, but let's keep going. It says this in, uh, in Ephesians, describing, trying to describe this in the most intimate form, that our attachment to God is like the, the covenant of marriage. It's like the covenant of marriage, Ephesians 5.23. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is the head of the church, he himself being the savior of the body. So Paul uses this marriage illustration, Ephesians 5, which is often used for, hey, how to have a great marriage. And my answer is absolutely, go for it. There's nuggets in there that we all need to live off of. What, what Paul is his main goal, and he's going to say this here in a minute, is I'm using this illustration of marriage to try to get you to understand what it means to be in intimate relationship with me, to be connected by covenant. And the beautiful thing about this covenant, he is faithful. He will not leave you or forsake you. I want to say it right here. The anxiety in us is because we don't believe someone is with us. The anxiety in our past is because no one was beside us in the present. 
we live feeling out of control because we feel disconnected from God and others or the sources of help that God provides. Again, anxiety is a complex situation, but in its simplest form, the general anxieties of life are, who's going to help me? Who's going to take care of me? How am I going to do this? I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. And again, the, the, the solution is let Jesus have first place in everything, affections, hearts, wounds, broken, let him have it, and then lean into men and women that love him and honor him and pull in close and you'll have peace. You'll find peace because the anxiety is, that is in us is because we don't believe someone is with us. Jesus calls himself Emmanuel, God with us, <laughs> right? He says, I will never forsake you or leave you. I will always be with you. Matthew 28, lo, I go with you always, even to the end of the ages and even to the end of the earth. Well, back to our marriage illustration it goes on in Ephesians 5, verse 29, for no one ever hated his own flesh, speaking of marriage and transitioning now, but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ also does the church. That's me, the people, you, me. He nourishes and cherishes us, uh, also, Jesus does, because we are members of his body. Now, you're not as stunned by that as I am. <laughs> Listen, we are members of his body. I'm not alone. I'm not just free will spinning dude out here. I am connected to almighty God, not just in a general sense. Listen, he deserves honor. If he was just the ruling Lord of the universe, that is right and that's enough for me to worship him and honor him. But he makes himself a bridegroom to a bride to get to the most intimate setting to say, everything out of me is motivated out of love. Even my ruling and reigning authority, even my judgment over the whole world is a safety net for you that you might trust me to care for you and lead you. And I've put it down into an intimate form of marriage to let you know how intimate I am with you. I cherish you, I nourish you, I pursue you, and I am faithful when you are unfaithful. And I will always take you back because I don't move when you move. Whew. Though we are faithless, he remains faithful for he cannot deny himself. He will be the bridegroom of all bridegrooms. He will be the faithful one. He will be the unconditional lover of his bride, regardless of what she does, because he can't be anything but himself. Woo! We are members of this body. Woo! We are members of that kind of a God. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother, shall cleave to his wife, be joined to his wife. The two shall become one flesh. This mystery is great, but I am speaking to reference of reference to Christ in the church. Just want to say it again. I think we're underliving what God intended. <laughs> there is an abundant life of covenant love that is like the pool of the ocean of grace that we never could have even imagined. I spent years meditating on Ephesians 5, not just to be a better husband, but to be a better son. I encourage you and invite you into that as well. The power of attachment. 
Therefore, because Jesus is the head and has first place in everything, because we are members of his body, because he intimately attaches himself through covenant as if, uh, as to use the illustration of marriage, therefore, Ephesians 4, 14 through 16 says this, as a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves, back to our little illustration, and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming, but speaking the truth in love, we're to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, the kafale, the, the origin, the, the headwaters, the, the, the leader of the community, even Christ, from whom the whole body being fitted and held together. Woo, anybody feel like, who's gonna hold me together? I, I, I'm losing it. Jesus, his body, not just Jesus, but people, Jesus and his people, fit and held together, by which every joint supplies. That means every one of you is needed. Every one of you is valuable. Every one of you is made in the image of God, not just to fulfill your destiny, but to fulfill our destiny. Right? Man, okay, I'm getting at this. I'm looking at some of you like, okay, yeah, we're with you. You're pretty excited. Just stay with me because this really matters. Because it's one thing for me to make choices to try to be all that I can be. That's the American thing, right? It's another thing for me to live for you so that we can be all that we can be. It's death to self that produces life in others and service to complete what God intends for his people. If you're not a part of a, a body or this body of Christ and you're not leaning in and supplying your part, then we are deficient without you. That ought to make you get up. You're needed and you're wanted. But which every joint supplies according to the proper working of each individual part causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. It's oh, awesome. So let's break this down. Ephesians 4.14 says this. As a result, we're no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine by the tricky of men, by craftiness in deceitful scheming. Have you guys uh, been tossed about <laughs> this week, this month, this year, by the different crazy things coming down the pipe, right? Through social media, through culture or whatever. But remember, we never blame the culture for our waywardness. We, we say, Lord, let me submit to you to see clearly because this is deceiving me and deceiving other people. Let me just take a, a, a simple one that is complex in our hearts, but very simple in the scripture, and that is the definition of man and woman, male and female. God created us in his image, male and female, he created us. So it was God that created two genders, not man. And though because of sin, we get confused and it becomes complex and we have empathy and compassion for people that are in their brokenness trying to sort out who they are, we acquiesce then to a, um, uh, a um, inordinate, what do I want to say here? We acquiesce to a compassion that is incomplete. So let me say this, there is compassion if you're confused of whether you're male or female. This is the compassion of Jesus. He looks on you with great mercy and grace, but he does not bow down to uh, our, our brokenness. He creates clarity to rescue us from it. 
So you are male, you are female, and God has blessed you. I am so sorry for the pain and the struggle, but it's not a question of where the anchor is. The anchor has already been made, and so we want to help one another. So when somebody starts a conversation, we can be compassionate, listening, and tender, but we're unmoved because we're not going to be tossed to and fro by the latest thing that's coming down the pipe in our culture. Does that make sense? So we're constantly, the enemy is called the prince of the power of the air. So somewhere God has given him reign over the airwaves. And so we have to constantly discern what's coming in our home, what's coming in our heart, what's coming in our mind. And, and we need to discern it according to the word of God. We need to understand what is counterfeit by looking over and over again at what is true. And if there's any motivation for reading your Bible every day or a devotional life, it is that. How do I understand whether I'm being deceived or not? How do I know who's right? Read your Bible, renew your mind on the covenant clarity of God, his authority in our lives, and you'll be able to rightly discern. And get your opinions from people that love Jesus and believe in the authority of his word, not from the world around us. Okay. Well, there we go. So verse 15, speak the truth in love. That's what I just did. Everybody smile. We're good. We are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ. So we speak the truth in love so that we don't get taken off the map and off of the journey of enjoying the beauty of Jesus and being his body to be a testimony and a witness of his glory. We're not allowing the deceitful, scheming works of the enemy, the world, the flesh. We're not allowing that. We're speaking the truth and love to one another so that we can grow up into all that Jesus has and wants for us because the desperation of the world is for somebody who's clear, somebody who's clean, somebody who's right. And yes, it is Jesus, but it is also the people of God living under his rule and reign that give people a preferred future and a preferred hope. Many years ago, I remember uh, we were at an airport and um, I walked up and uh, uh, was helping my kids. They pay for something. And the lady said, are those your kids? And I said, yes. She said, I didn't know what to say. And I said, well, what happened? And I'm like, okay, what'd they do? And uh, she said, they said, yes, ma'am, and no, ma'am, to me. I don't think I've ever had anybody say that in the last 10 years. And then they asked how they could pray for me. And I have a lot of needs right now. I don't even know what to do with that. What do I, what do I tell them? <laughs> and I said, tell them your needs and let them pray for you. That's what I would do. And uh, I was a little more kinder than that. And, uh, but in that journey, we, we just talked together, we prayed together, we shared hearts, and I had the privilege of leading this lady to the Lord. And I thought about it, and I said, you know, we all get all, man, man, am I witness for Jesus? How do I be a witness for Jesus? The bar is so low, you guys, these days. All you got to do is be nice. And somebody's like, where are you from? What happened? You know, don't cuss. Uh, look out to somebody else's interests instead of your own, you know. Um, don't fight like the world. Don't talk like the world. I mean, this is a low bar witnessing these days. And when the window opened, tell them the hope that is in you. Speak the truth in love. It is the most loving thing in the world to rescue somebody from hell, to rescue somebody from sin and destruction. Empathize, be compassionate in their journey, but don't move the fixed point because it's their only hope. All right, speaking the truth in love. Verse 16, 
from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies according to the proper working of each individual part causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. So here's what we do. We've got Jesus as the head. We're called to be his body. It starts telling us how to speak the truth in love, how to work things through so that this beautiful outworking of grace can happen. Now, um, one of the ways that maybe I want to just re-illustrate this is in marriage. So for Laura and I, we've been married, as I said earlier, 37 years, and, um, and we're getting better. Aren't we getting better, honey? I think we're getting better. We're on a good run right now. We're getting better. And we're still working through it. Every once in a while, she's still selfish. I don't know what to do, but uh, <laughs> y'all know that's wrong. That's a sin. She's laughing. She even said it's true, but I'm more selfish. That's what I want to make the point. So our selfishness, of course, when we want to get our own way, it pulls us apart. It causes challenge. It can go on for a day, an hour, days, if we let it. Or we can die to ourselves, come under the rule and reign of Jesus, and serve one another. When we die to ourselves and serve one another, there's a flow in our marriage that is beautiful. And people say, man, you guys seem so happy. Or there's some grace flowing from our lives. But when we demand our own way, we pull at the fabric of the covenant that God created. So here's what I say. By the Spirit of God, I can love Laura till death do we part because the Holy Spirit lives within me. I can unconditionally love her. Now let me pause, always say, man, if you're divorced, if you're on your third marriage, wherever you are on the journey, there is grace, forgiveness, and it's a new day. We can always start new. For us, this is, we began that way. And so we've stayed true to that covenant. So here's the day. She can be beautiful or terrible today, and I can still love her by the Spirit of God. But what we often say is, she can make it easy on me or hard on me on whether we enjoy the journey. Of course, vice versa. She can unconditionally love me till the day we die, no matter what I do, but we're going to make this hard or easy on each other based on our submission to Jesus and death to self and service to one another. This is not rocket science, just the hardest thing in the world to do. You got, you got my point, right? So it's the same thing with Jesus. Get with the program. <laughs> you know, well, this church is that, this church is that, and I had that experience. Because people were living for themselves, not for Jesus and his glory. The more we submit to Jesus, die to self, and look to serve, the beauty of the bride comes alive. This thing works beyond what you could even imagine. It's better than you could even imagine, but it does take every part submitting to God. So one of the things I said about the, uh, when I was mentioning uh, the body and how it operates, if a part removes itself, it dies, if, but the body's made to heal itself. Well, one part I left out is, um, is that how does cancer grow in the body? Again, this is very simplistic, but it's when cells go rogue. When cells are supposed to healthily reproduce and bring life and renewal, when a cell or a group of cells get together and say, we're not doing that game, we're going our own way, cancer forms and begins to destroy the body. So what are those rogue cells? What are those kind of things that break out? It's simply this, the fruit of the flesh causes cancer in the body. And we don't want that. Anybody want cancer? No, nobody wants cancer. All right, so here we go. Galatians 5, here's the cancer. The deeds of the flesh are evident. Immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, 
enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions. Anybody convicted yet? I'd review this list every few weeks. Envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these, of which I forewarn you that just as I forewarned you that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. I've been using this a lot this year to renew our minds because the culture has deceived us on what is cancerous. This stuff kills. It's not just having a bad day. And I, I am on that list, right? My sins and my brokenness show up consistently, but at least I know it and I can take it back to Jesus. I can repent of it, try to make it right and get back in the flow so that the body works, so that the family works, so that whatever works. And then here is the, here's the life of Jesus, but the fruit of the spirit, but the joy, the love, the flow is love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Nothing will stop the fruit of the Spirit from getting its intended outcome for the family to be healthy. So we want to throw off these cancerous, rogue, rebellious stuff. We want to submit to God, die to self, serve whoever God has before us, and come together so that the beauty of God can be made manifest. This is God's design. Now, couple other things, and we've got a powerful testimony to end our time. I've got a little deal up here of how do you rightly attach to Jesus as the head? How do I rightly attach to people? Okay, just take a picture of it if you need it. You know, people ask at lunch, where'd you get all this sermon? Uh, I don't know. Uh, if you take a picture, then you got something. Here you go. Uh, so here's the deal. Believe, we believe in the Lord Jesus, Hebrews eleven six. Without faith, it's impossible to, to, uh, to uh, without faith, it's impossible to please God. He who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. When I believe and say, God, you are who you say you are, no matter what I feel or my experience, I believe you. That's where it starts. Then we receive from God. I receive forgiveness based on his grace. I for receive his love for me. It says this in John 15, 9, just the Father has loved me. I have also loved you. Abide in my love. So I receive his forgiveness. I receive his love. And Acts 1.8 says, and you shall receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will come on you. You'll be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. So I believe God's word. I receive his forgiveness, his grace, and his power. Then I obey, not from works and self-effort, but from the power of the Holy Spirit. This is the key. This is the key turner. A lot of people believe, a lot of people receive, but not many obey. Obey is what, un obedience unlocks the door to the beauty. And then once we obey, we abide, we remain in uh, Jesus and in his grace. This little process is how I renew my covenant with Jesus on a daily basis. It's also how to renew my covenant with my wife or my friends or a church member or another believer in the city from another church. I constantly, I believe that we are the body of Christ. So I am not stepping away from you. I'm coming towards you. I receive you as a brother or sister because of what Jesus has done, not because of my own preferences. I obey God by loving you as Christ loved the church, by honoring you, forgiving you, blessing you, working it through, whatever it is, I will obey God as a son or a daughter of the living God. And Lord, we're gonna abide and live in it. 
We're going to live in it. There's a beautiful unity happening in our city, guys. There's a renewal of unity happening in our midst. Don't miss the boat because God's calling us to something greater. Well, I want to end with a beautiful testimony. Uh, Zach Jones, uh, come on up here, brother. And uh, let's give it up for Zach. Beautiful testimony of the body being the body. Well, good morning. I made it through the first service without any emotion, so that's the hope for this one as well. Um, I'm going to give you an example of what it's looked like for my family and for our friends to be the body of Christ uh, this last month and a half. And I'll share with you uh, four friends that we're walking with right now. Friend number one, his mom passed away uh, unexpectedly in the middle of January. And a little over a week later, they found out that his wife was diagnosed with a brain tumor. And she now has to have brain surgery. It's actually in a, in a, a week and a half. Friend number two has been experiencing headaches consistently for over seven weeks now, while also going through the process of fostering to adopt his baby boy. Friend number three, he, um, a year ago, his wife was diagnosed with cancer for the second time, and this time the doctors gave her three years to live. And so she just finished her ninth round of chemo this, uh, in January, and cancer's still all throughout her body. And then friend number four, since Thanksgiving, uh, he's had a sickness that the doctors can't figure out what's going on, and he's lost over 30 pounds. And so as you can, as you hear those stories, you can imagine the heaviness. Um, and these are, um, yes, pastor, we care for people, but it's different when it hits the people that you've been walking with for years, um, and that's who these people are. And so I was sitting in one of our monthly church leadership meetings, and was super distracted, wasn't really paying attention, and just internally, the screaming inside of enough is enough, and what are we doing, meaning just the body, what are we doing? And it was in that moment that the phrase prayer and worship came to mind. Hadn't thought of that, but um, I was texting and try, texting these families and then other friends that knew the situations and that night, it was like, hey, we got to get together, meet at the church, we'll pray and, fa uh, pray and worship, fasting helps as well. But we, um, the miracle in that is people dropped their calendars and, and, showed, and showed up in the underground across the street and didn't know what to expect. We had kids, we had parents, we had grandparents, which we've been talking about, uh, the multi-generational family, and that, that's what it was. And the, there'll be some the pictures up here and... The powerful moment in that whole deal, it was all powerful, but we had someone come up to me and say, hey, I think we need to get the kids to circle around these people and pray for them, and so that's what we, we did. And I had a dad come up to me and say, I've never seen my daughter pray like that before. And then, he, and then at the end, he said, I've been to many churches my life, and I've seen, I experienced good sermons, good worship, but what is happening here, I've never seen before. And it wasn't anything special about the gathering, you know, and I said in the first service, we didn't do it so that I can stand on stage and show some photos. Uh, I mean, really it wasn't, I didn't think it was gonna get out. Um, and you could put up the picture of the kids. We had a table for kids to write on sticky notes and this was just to keep them occupied until, we, until they were praying, but they, they were just writing 
just prayers to these people. And these are the ones left over that didn't have any names attached to them. Um, and really, I wish I could be up here telling you that everyone got healed that day. Um, but I can tell you that there, there were some miracles that happened. Um, and one of them was friend number four, who's lost over 30 pounds. His wife texted that, that week, into that week, and said, hey, the next day he gained two pounds. And um, yeah, and he was feeling better. The, the first time he's felt better since Thanksgiving. And I was with him this weekend, and he said he's doing great. He's gained 13 pounds in the last two and a half weeks. Come on. And it is, uh, yeah. And to go back to that time, you know, it's, it wasn't just the Antioch family. There were three churches represented there. And this, this individual that, that experienced the healing. And um, yeah, where people did not see the healing they wanted, they definitely felt the comfort of God and of the body. And so I wanna, I wanna end on um, this text message. I texted that family, that um, friend number four, just to say, hey, I wanna share this with the church. Like, is that okay? And this was his response. I'm good with you sharing any of my story. Hopefully, um, or I am still impressed that you guys would think of me. I've been in church my whole life and never been a part of anything like that. And then his wife responded and said, yes, please share. It has truly been, an ama it had truly been amazing to see the difference in my husband since that night. Nothing changed in his treatment plan, only the prayer. I am so thankful for all of you being obedient in what the Lord laid on your heart that day. And so that's the hope as I turn it back over to Jimmy is that we're gonna pray for, for needs. And yes, we wanna believe for the miracles. But you can uh, rest assured you'll walk away with the comfort of God and the comfort of people being around you um, here today. So thank you for listening. Appreciate you guys. Let's all stand together. If our prayer teams can come to the front. I love saying this, and if you have a need today, broken heart, broken arm, whatever those needs are, and Joe and Yvonne, you guys come up, they have some specific words they feel from the Lord for us to pray for, but can our prayer teams come quickly, be available? If you have a need, my encouragement, and maybe it's even out what Jason said earlier, just come and make your need known, man. At the very least, you're gonna experience the love of God because that's what the body does. It heals itself, it heals the heart. And who knows, today may be a day of a miracle that you couldn't have ever imagined. But as we humble ourselves to one another, make ourselves available to pray for each other, God moves. Joe, you got some things? Yeah, in the last service, we were praying for people with you arthritis. You can start coming while he's talking. And, Come on, if you have needs. You know, arthritic coming. pain especially in the hands. And we, you know, people were responding to that, taking the step of faith and coming forward. And also for an ankle, I prayed for a lady out in the foyer, just her ankle pain and, and God beginning to heal that and, and restore it. Hope was rising in her heart. And she said, could you pray over my hand as well? You know, different areas where they were feeling pain. And I just believe also that I don't know, something, even a chip bone in, in someone's elbow today that God wants to touch. Um, and, you know, some grief that you've been going through, it's not only physical, 
but emotional healing as well. The Father really does want to touch us in different areas. And I also saw as we were uh, speaking, just someone with a trapped nerve in the back of their neck, been there for a while. Um, And I believe God wants to set that free today. If we give him the opportunity, take that step of faith, coming forward and allowing someone to pray for you. I just had that scripture, it's the little foxes that spoil the vineyard. And having heard that testimony, you may feel that, well, compared with that, my symptoms, my my problem is so small. But the Lord says that He is the one that heals and He You know, you don't have to have a major illness for God to come and touch you physically. Yes, yes. Amen. So broken bones to broken hearts to needs, we're here for you. Again, if we can get more of our leaders available, come on, if you normally pray for people, life group leaders, or some of our training school people, come be available. Hang hang on, ladies. We'll make sure somebody gets to you. We get some help, you guys, if you normally pray for people, come on. Um, hey, one last thing I want to do. I want to pray for anybody in the room that doesn't know Jesus. You're here and you're not sure that you're forgiven of your sins and that you have a relationship with him. He cares about you. He sees you, even those online. He sees you right now. And if you're not being prayed for or praying for somebody, could you just agree with me and pray for somebody you know that doesn't know Jesus or a prodigal that needs to come home? Just start praying right now. And if you're listening to me, I just feel such compassion right now in my heart. There's some people out there, you're really hurting or you're here and you were kind of hoping, could somebody help me? Jesus is wanting to help you right now. Just maybe open your hands. Just ask if you don't know Jesus, could you just open your hands and close your eyes and pray this simple prayer with me? Lord Jesus, That's just your prayer. You're calling on him. I need you. Tell him you need him right now. Just tell him you need him. Forgive me of my sins. This is our acknowledgement that we can't get rid of the addiction. We can't get rid of the pain. We can't get rid of the brokenness. Forgive me of my sins. I believe you died on the cross for me. That's just declaring when Jesus hung on the cross, he became a sacrifice for your sin and mine. I believe you died on the cross. Just pray it with me. I believe you rose from the dead. Again, you're just declaring his power. I believe, Jesus, that you rose from the dead. Now pray this with me. I believe you've made a way to the Father just for me. And so I come. I am yours, Jesus. I am your, I give my heart to you. I give my life to you. I am yours right now. I give my heart. I give my life to you. Have mercy on me, O oh God. Thank you for saving me and forgiving me as I come right now. Fill me with your Holy Spirit, I pray. If you just prayed that simple prayer, please be bold. Make your way down here or right after the service, go to the Connect Center. We're gonna seal the work of God right here by singing together. Don't miss a moment. God's here. Don't you feel his presence? I just feel his love and compassion just reaching out. You might just reach your hand over to a friend who's with you or to a spouse or hand on the shoulder. Somebody break the barrier if you feel the need just to love somebody next to you and pray for them. Let's sing together and let God seal his work in our midst.